Good morning, Five Church. How we doing this morning? Happy Father's Day. If you haven't heard that enough today, right? And all of your social media feeds will be filled with Father's Day stuff. You're welcome. Well, I'm going to do you a favor today. I'm going to do you a solid. I'm not going to preach on Father's Day today. Um, we're still in the book of Acts. Now, one thing at Thrive Church, somebody asked me on Mother's Day, are you going to preach about mothers? It's a really heavy time. I was like, no, because the Apostle Paul in the Bible didn't do Mother's Day. You ever notice that? When he traveled, went somewhere, he was like, well, today's Mother's Day. So let's just talk about mothers. He's like, no, I'm preaching Christ and Christ crucified among you. That's my message. And so uh, today we're going to be in the book of Acts, and we'll be in Acts chapter 13 today as we continue our series called Unstoppable to figure out, like, where did this unstoppable movement called Christianity come from? How did it begin? Because you're part of that. And so today, what I want to share with you is this, which is very important to me. This is something I wish somebody would have told me when I began to follow Jesus. Nobody ever did. I had some wonderful mentors who really poured into my life when I got saved. Some great men of God. But they never told me what I'm going to tell you today. And this greatly impacted my life in a very negative way, which now it's turned to positive. But it could have really derailed me from Christianity because I had no idea this would happen to me. And so what you're going to find out today is that if you just make a decision, it's a very specific decision, when you make this decision, this is going to happen to you as well. And I want to talk to you about that today because that's what happened to the Apostle Paul. Now, in the book of Acts, we've established already that if you're skeptical of Christianity or you're just wondering if the Bible is a book of fairy tales, uh, the book of Acts should prove to you it's not a book of fairy tales. It's not some, you know, book written by a man who just decided to write like, you know, any other religious book. One man wrote the book. This was written by many different authors, and the author of the book of Acts is very unique. He's the only author like you and me, the only non-Jewish author that we have in the New Testament that we know of. His name was Luke. And Luke gave his life to Christ after Jesus had already ascended. As far as we know, he didn't follow Jesus. He didn't uh, surrender to Christ during that time. It was afterwards. And so what happened is, after he gave his life to Christ, um, him being a doctor, it was really big in research, he wrote a book called The Gospel of Luke to his friend Theophilus. And you're saying, man, I hear this every week. Good, so hopefully you will be able to tell this to your friends. This is a personal letter to a friend, a man named Lover of God, and he wanted to help him understand about Jesus and his life and his ministry. And he even, Luke is so bold to say, I know many others have written gospel accounts. I, you know, there are other gospel accounts circulating, but let, I've come to really give you the facts. I've come to tell you everything that Jesus began to do and teach. And then he goes in and says he didn't stop there with the office. He writes a second book called the book of Acts, which is the early history of the early church, a 30 to 40 year history after Jesus ascended until when Paul is almost beheaded in Rome to let you know everything that happened. And what's unique is you read this book, we're still in the first half of it. Uh, two chapters from now, we'll see Luke join the team. But the first half of this book is merely research. It's him asking the Apostle Paul and the other disciples what happened because he wasn't there. But almost halfway through the book, he joins Paul and his team, and it moves from what they did to what we did. It moves from him looking from the outside to being a part of this amazing movement that happened. And as we said before, how to catch you up to speed where we're at is that Jesus told his, his Jewish disciples who became the apostles, I want you to go pray and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit does, you're going to be witnesses to me. He says, in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts. And they're like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Problem is, they didn't want to go to Samaria. They hated Samaritans, and they never dreamed of going to the outermost parts. That's all Gentiles. That's you and I. And they inwardly didn't really believe Gentiles could be fully saved unless they became Jews. We talked about that um, last week. 
So here's what happened. Gentiles begin to get saved in an amazing way. Peter experiences it. But then what really happens in Acts 13, a little earlier, a guy named the Apostle Paul, who was Saul, he was killing Christians. Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus and says, hey, I want you to follow me. He's like, are you, you're Lord, you're Jesus? He gives his life to Christ. And for 14 years, he goes away. And he begins to study the Old Testament, which he knew inside and out. He was one of the top Jewish religious teachers. He studies it, and he begins to understand the Old Testament in a way he never had before. It all speaks about Jesus, all about the Jewish Messiah. But then God gives this really powerful Jewish leader a very unique mission, and it's reaching nothing but non-Jews. And so what happens is him and his friend Barnabas begin to minister in Antioch, and all these Gentiles, you and me, begin to get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and God's doing amazing things in their life, and it's powerful. And we see what we have today was birthed out of Acts chapter 13. And I wish I could just say, man, and after that, things went awesome. They had the best time ever. But the sad thing is, you're going to see what happens if you make the same decision the Apostle Paul made, which he made a very unique decision to only, not only follow Jesus, but to proclaim the gospel and be someone who is infatuated with the gospel going forth because the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the greatest message in human history. And he gave his whole life for it. And what we're going to look at today at Acts 13, 44 is that what happens to him, and this is the very beginning of it, in the rest of the book of Acts, you're going to see one theme. This is over and over again. And so look at Acts 13, 44. We'll jump in. And this is after, man, the power of the Lord was moving. People were getting saved. Gentiles, you and I, this is where we came from. It says, the following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. That's great, right? Could you imagine that happened in Richmond? Hundreds of thousands showing up to hear the word of the Lord. But look at verse 45. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So what did they do? They slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of, of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when, when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. Remember Jesus, uh, his progression to the ends of the earth, the outermost parts? That's what they're doing. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. Now, that, that one verse here, let me just clear this up. You may think, well, does that mean that, that, that God chooses people for salvation? They're using language that the Jews understood because the Jews thought they were chosen. They were the chosen ones for salvation. And they're saying, no, 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 the Gentiles are now included in that choosing as well. For, again, anyone who chooses Jesus is chosen, if that makes sense, right? So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Then the Jews, watch this, stirred up the influential religious women and leaders of that city and incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. What you see here happening is they engage in the mission of God to proclaim the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that he is the only way to heaven. He was sent to reconnect Jews and Gentiles alike to the Heavenly Father. He's the only way that we have a relationship with our Creator. 
the only way to heaven. He is Lord. And they begin to proclaim this. You would say, man, that's awesome. Isn't that beautiful? And what happens? Religious people begin to come against them. As a matter of fact, these people weren't just, weren't just religious people. These were people that were friends of the Apostle Paul. Remember, he was second in charge of all of Israel when it came to the religious uh, things and, and doings and teachings. Gamaliel was first. He was second. And they begin to want to destroy Paul and come after him. Why? Because he was engaging in the gospel. And I'm here to tell you today that if you have enough courage in you to not just say, I'm a Christian, but you say the message of Christ is what I'm going to live my life for, that my whole being is to proclaim the gospel. When you make that decision, and I wish somebody would have told me this, and I never was told this, then guess what's going to happen? You will face opposition from people as well. So about Father's Day, one of my you know, memories of my father is when I actually shared the gospel with him and my, uh, um, it was his friend who I called Uncle Dave. And when I first shared the gospel with them, they were drinking whiskey, and my Uncle Dave was like, hey, man, you know, I'm, I, I'm all about God, too. And I'm like, no, you're not, man. You don't follow Jesus. I, was, I, mean, I just got saved now. I was like, you haven't repented of your sins? You haven't, you aren't, you aren't turned from you. You're not following him. And my dad cussed me out and threatened to beat me to death if I ever mentioned Jesus in that house again. And I went to my room as a 20-year-old man and just cried. Not because my dad hurt and rejected me, because he's rejecting the gospel. And I never knew that would be my experience. I thought everybody would be just as happy as I was. My life was changed. I mean, this is going to be great. But I did not understand a very important principle that's super clear in the book of Acts, but for some reason the church never teaches on it. I never heard of it. And it's this here, and here's what happened to Paul and Barnabas. And he, if you have enough courage to fully be all in for Jesus and the gospel, here's what's going to happen. And the principle we can learn is this, spreading will cause stirring. Let me explain that. Spreading will cause stirring, meaning, meaning that when you decide to be a gospel spreader, and not, not, be, not be a jerk, but you're going to spread the gospel, you're going to live your life with the gospel in mind, praying about people being saved, praying for community transformation. When you have your mindset on that, it will stir up opposition against you. And the opposition isn't from people from the outside. That's the sad part. If you sat me down and asked about all the, the torment I've been through, I'm going to be very honest with you. It's been from Christians, religious Christians, who have been in church their whole life and should know way better. And they have fought me at every turn when it comes to reaching people with the gospel because of the law of first truth and because of tradition. And I think what, what happens is, we don't understand this, is that when you decide to proclaim, Satan begins to aim. I'm going to say it one more time. When you decide to proclaim, then Satan will aim. Now, now if you never decide this, and you say, I'll just hide my faith, it's personal, it's private, I don't want to like, you know, offend anybody, that's fine. The, the, the devil and all his minions will leave you all alone. Don't worry about that. You're, you're good. This is not for you. If you want to have a private secret faith where nobody knows about it, right? But if you want your faith to impact others and your life to impact others, this will happen to you at some point. Do not be taken uh, off guard. Do not let it stop you. But you have to know this. You know, th there's a story about uh, Mount Everest and people climbing Mount Everest. And there's a poster out there of a man trying to get people to join his team. He talked about how beautiful Mount Everest was on the top and what the view would be and how great it's going to be and how awesome it was. And all these people just joyously signed up to climb Mount Everest with him. And almost every one of them died. 
because they didn't understand what they were getting into. They had no clue that they were getting ready to attempt the most dangerous thing on planet Earth at that time, which was climbing this frigid Arctic atmosphere called Mount Everest. But there's another man who decided to climb Mount Everest, and here's what he did. His posters told them, you will probably die. This will be the hardest thing that you ever do. You'll want to give up. And if you're weak or faint of heart, don't come. And almost everyone who went with him survived because they knew what they would be facing. And I want to share with you today what I wish someone would have sat down with me and said, hey, here's what you're going to be facing. I know that you have this big heart for the gospel, Kevin, and you have this band that plays, and you want to share the gospel, and every ministry you do, you're going to reach people, and it's going to be amazing. But here's the thing. You're going to be absolutely beaten up by Christian people. No, it's not the drunks. It's not the, the people out there they are always talking about. They're trying to destroy. They're destroying the church, and it's not them. It's going to be from within inside and people who are close to you. And I wish that someone would have told me that. Matter of fact, my Facebook profile picture, if you follow me on social, I, I don't know when I'll ever change that. Because I preached a message last year on church hurt. Remember the series on church hurt if you were here with us? And if you didn't, go back and listen to that. Because one of the messages was building his church means being broken by his people. And that's been my mantra. And now that I know that it makes it easier, and as I read the, the Apostle Paul and what he went through, I begin to understand now that, that when you are on the front lines of, as a church, we want to plant churches, man. Right now, there are churches around America having church right now because you decided to help plant a church here. Isn't that amazing? You'll never meet these people. You'll never get, get, get to see what's going on with them. But you've done that. You're on the front lines. And here's the truth that I've had to understand when that happens, when, when you decide to do it. And the first part is this, and this is what we have to understand from the Apostle Paul's life, is that religious people rip apart God's reconciliation. Religious people rip apart God's reconciliation. What does that mean? These Jewish religious leaders were not concerned with people being reconciled to God in right relationship with God. They, they didn't, weren't concerned. They were jealous and upset because Paul wasn't doing it their way. And they didn't give a flying flip who was getting saved, who was being transformed, who was being set free. They only wanted their traditions to be held. And that's what religious people do. If you're like, well, I don't consider myself religious, I'm spiritual. Well, let me ask you this. Are you more concerned about your way or God getting his way? Are you more concerned about your traditions? Or are you more concerned about the Lord moving in somebody's life? And if you're ever more concerned about the color of carpet or the lights or the music and, your, and your, the sound of it or how loud or how quiet, if that's what your, your MO is but you can't celebrate all that God's doing in a church, then you are religious, my friend. Right? And what we have to do is understand this. If, if you're going to be on the front lines of sharing the gospel, this religious people are going to rip apart God's reconciliation. They don't care. They will destroy and hurt the church for their own egos. They don't care about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those Jewish religious leaders did not care about the mission of God. They had no care or concern about it. You know, when I first faced this, it was very, like, it was traumatic for me. And I've shared this story before, but in my first youth pastorate, I was in a very rural town. It was in Elberton, Georgia, where I met Brian and Isabel Seymour. And they can tell you the story because their, their son, their, um, their oldest son, was a part of my youth ministry. It's a very rural, white church. As Keith said before, this, the people say racism doesn't exist anymore. You, you, well, you, I don't know what planet you live on. Um, you, you never lived in the South, right? We go into this church. They want me to be their youth pastor. 
And, and, and I'm just sharing this with you now. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm, I'm Caucasian. So there's 12 little white children from the country club. We're little polos and slacks, and they want to eat. We've got to really protect them. Be careful with them. And we came in. Those kids were amazing. Amazing. They tried, a lot of them tried to be amazing individuals. We went in, and they wanted to reach all their friends. And we got that. They gave us the old sanctuaries of granite. It didn't have air conditioner or heat, so we had to heat it with a gas heater. So, so an hour before service, I'm out there, it smelled like propane or kerosene, whatever thing ran off of. And in the summer, we had window units running, and we went in, we painted it. We made it look, it looked like a, an older version of like what this is today. Like the low dim lights, and we had like the TVs up there, and this was back in like 2005 and six, and we just, man, it was awesome. And what we saw was from 12 kids to get up to 80 kids. We had small groups from them, and I led the goth group. All these kids were goths, and they were coming in a small group, and we we're talking about Jesus. And they began to follow Jesus and get water baptized, and yeah, they, they still wore their, their black stuff. They're kids, man, they're teens. And it was amazing. Then the church began to like have different people come in, it began to get diverse. And those people said, well, no, 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 we, we don't want that. You can start a contemporary service at 8 a.m. Well, why not 9? No, well, well, we want nobody to show up. We did it. Guess what happened? The early service outgrew their, their, their traditional service. And that, no, 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 that sounds great. It's not great because here's what happened. <laughs> I'll never forget that they stopped tithing, giving to the general fund and started giving to a building fund so they could try to misappropriate funds. That's what it really was. So the pastor and the staff could not get paid so that we would be starved out and we would leave. That I would not be able to eat. And these were Christian people who did not want those people in their church. And it was one of the worst situations. I never thought that Christian people could be, that this could happen. Because they did not want their child. They told me, I don't want them around that color or that type. We want one social economical class. We want one color in this church, and we're not changing. And we end up having to leave that church, and, and we end up having to start another church there um, in town that's still going today. And that church never changed. So what I'm saying to you is not something I just found in the book of Acts, but I lived it out, and I was hurt deeply by religious Christian people who were looked at as patriarchs and matriarchs of their family, but they ripped apart. They didn't care. These were their grandchildren who were serving Jesus now, who never served Jesus. And they didn't care. They didn't care if their grandchildren and children walked away from the Lord. It didn't matter as long as they got their way. And here's what you have to understand about this, is that engaging will employ. What does that mean? When you engage the gospel and you're personally doing it or part of a ministry that does it, it will employ, it will employ the enemy against you. That you will have to fight some battles from even your own family. Me being cussed out by my dad and threatened to be beat to death if I ever mentioned Jesus again. And I would be amiss to tell you to that, hey, we're going to reach 650K. It's going to be awesome. Our church is going to baptize people. We're going to reach people. Lives are going to be changed. We're going to plant churches. We all clap and say, 650K, that's great. But what we don't realize is that stirs up religious people. Now, thankfully, I'm not, thankfully, this church is an, an amazing church. Like, you know, there, there's only like, there's only a few of you. You know who you are out there, religious. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. No. I'm preaching to the choir here, but if we're not prepared for this stuff personally or even corporately, that the enemy is going to engage us when we decide to engage the mission of God, then it will hurt us. Because here's what engaging an employee means. Engaging in God's mission means employing Satan's minions. 
Spiritual warfare is going to ramp up when you start serving Jesus. You have things that come against you, people that come against you, situations that begin to happen in your life. And if you're not ready for that, what's going to happen is it will impact you greatly. And that's what Paul understood. That's why he never quit. That's why he never gave up. And he continued to share the gospel to the Gentiles. And that's why we're here today. And I know for me, the turning point in my life was that when I gave my life to Christ, I started a Christian band who played punk rock music. You would not, most of you would not like it. And what happened was, I did, all I knew was I loved Jesus. I didn't look like any other kids in the youth group. I, I mean, it was a more upper class youth group. Great church, tremendous church, don't get me wrong. But at every turn, well-meaning Christian religious traditional people told me, well, honey, can't you play something different? That just says, I don't like that music. Like, over and over again. I had people who were in youth ministry leadership who said, yeah, but you probably shouldn't play those venues because you get, you know, you go to those places, you, you, you know, something will happen to you. You'll get changed. You'll start following Satan or something like that. But, but, but here's, here's what happened, that over time, it kept chipping away and chipping away and chipping away, and eventually I thought, okay, I'll go into church ministry and I'll abandon all of that. I'll just kind of abandon all of that stuff. And the longer I've been in church ministry, that's what the mission of Thrive Church is today, what it is, because I will never change the mission of reaching people far from God, people disconnected from church, because I was dissuaded from it before. I won't be dissuaded from it again. And what I tell, what I tell people all the time is this, that if you are a believer and you choose Thrive Church, then here's the deal. I'm glad you're with us. You're not our main target. I want you to know that. But I'm glad you're with us. I'm really excited. I love you. But here's what you're doing if you're a believer. You come on board to sign up to live on mission, to reach the 650K of Richmond and beyond, to be someone who spreads and shares the gospel. That's what you're signing up for. And if you're not a believer, you're at the right place. If you're skeptical of Christianity and don't know if you really want to follow Jesus or maybe it's your parents' religion or you're not sure if you want it, you're, we want you here. You can, you can be, be along and be a part of this community. We're going to love you. Because here's what I had to learn, guys facing the opposition that I face, I want you to know this too, is this, don't let opposition from the inside stop you from mission to the outside. Say it one more time, don't let opposition from the inside of your life stop you from mission to the outside of your life. And at every turn when I gave my life to Christ, it was my dad, it was even people in church that have always faced people arguing, getting angry at me, and, and being upset with me because I'm always trying to reach people who would not usually come to church. The Apostle Paul, again, continued to face this. Most of his letters, when you read them, he's talking about these same Jewish people. He's dealing with them, calling his character into question. They're, you know, they're speaking about how his gospel message isn't really the full gospel message, and they're criticizing his teaching and what he's doing. And the Apostle Paul says something in the book of Galatians, which we, we believe may be his first letter he ever wrote. He was very brash in that. But he was so upset, he wrote to the church at Galatia about these Jewish religious people. And he wrote to them, and he said this here in Galatians 1, 8. He says, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, meaning him and Barnabas and the team, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again that what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news other than the one welcome, let that person be accursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. And I love this. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. If I wanted to please people, I should have went and sold, sold ice cream. Not, I shouldn't have been a pastor. 
And friends, for you, if you want everybody to approve of you and accept you and think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, do not engage in being someone who shares the gospel. Because you have friends who turn against you, you have family members who reject you, and you even have people that are well-meaning religious people. I don't think they're in this church. I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you. I mean, thank the Lord for the church that I get to pastor. But you're going to find religious people in the community who totally disagree with everything you do and come against you. They'll say what you're doing is wrong. And how you're, the church you attend, they, man, they, they turn the lights down. It's all about entertainment. They're not really preaching the gospel of the word. I mean, you get all types of things said to you. And you've got to stay laser-focused. So how do you do this? There's, there's three things that have helped me, I want to help you with, that the Apostle Paul learned. The first thing is this, realize the reality of religious people. You just have to, you just have to realize that. You've got to take it as a grain of salt. Look what happened to Paul in verse 50. It says, then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city. Religious people do not care about the mission of God. They want their way, they'll fight you, they'll be angry at you, and that's what religious people do. They don't have a relationship with God with their hearts molded into the image of Christ. They just want their way. And so realize that when that happens, when somebody comes to you and says something to you about whatever you're doing, here's what you say. If you're following the Lord and you're, and you're sharing the gospel, say, thank you, bless your heart. <laughs> bless your heart. You're just watered down. Oh, bless your heart. Understand the reality of religious people. You have to understand that. The second thing you have to do is this. Anger towards you isn't about you. It says, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. What happened there? They weren't just angry at Paul and Barnabas. They were angry because they were losing control. They were jealous, it said. These Jews were losing control. They saw these people turning to Jesus. And anger is never about anger. I watched a little movie last night with my son Dawson at the movie theater called Elemental. And this little, this little girl was made of fire. She kept saying, my temper's trying to show me something. What's it telling me? Anytime you're extremely angry or somebody's extremely angry at you and it's hysterical, it's not about you. It's about somebody in their past that they're mad at. They're losing control. They fear something. Fear drives anger. And those religious people were fearful of Paul and Barnabas because they were losing control of their religious traditions they had. And if somebody gets angry at you and you're serving Jesus, it's not about you. Just understand that it's somebody else they're upset with, they're taking out on you. And that's in any relationship you face, but especially when you choose to engage the mission of God. And then finally, here's what you have to understand. Allow their rejection to be God's redirection in your life. And look what happens. I love this verse here. In verse 51, it says, So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. Then look at verse 52. And the believers were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. It should have said, yeah, the, the believers were really upset. They were really just down and out because they were rejected. It says, no, man, they were filled with joy. Anytime someone rejects you for being all in for Jesus, for serving Jesus, for being different than the world, not running with them, for sharing the gospel, allow that rejection to understand that God's just redirecting you. They ran Paul out of that place. Got rid of Paul and Barnabas out of there. And you know what? It didn't make them sad. They understood the Lord had somewhere. They shook the dust off and, and said, hey, Lord, you got something else for me. 
Even when you're sharing the gospel personally with someone and somebody gets angry at you and they reject you and they don't want to hear what you have to say, just shake the dust off. Be filled with joy. Love them and then move on to the next one there. Because what I want you to understand, I believe that God's going to do a work in some of you guys' lives. Not everybody chooses to live a courageous life of the gospel being first and foremost. Not everybody does that. And some of you probably won't choose that, and that breaks my heart. But this message today is for some of you that you're going to want to share the message of Jesus. God's going to do a work in your life this year where addictions are going to break off, your life's going to be changed, and you won't be able to stop talking about Jesus. I mean, it's not something you choose to do. You just, he just flows out of you. And I wish somebody would set me down and said, Kevin, I'm really happy that you're so passionate. I want you to be passionate. I'm really happy you're sharing the gospel because people need this message. I'm, can I just tell you something? You have now just got a target on your back. And you're going to have yourself beaten up many times. You're going to have your tail beaten many times. And it's going to come from people you never thought it would come from. Those who look like they play the part, look like they act the part, and they're going to eat you for lunch. And here's what I want you to do, Kevin. When that happens, understand that's God's stamp of approval. That's not God's, you've not done anything wrong, you're doing it right. And I want to encourage you guys in that today. That for some of you, the Lord is going to move powerfully, and you're going to share. And every time you face that rejection, every time you face that opposition, understand that is the Lord patting you on the back saying, oh, you're doing it right. Because you stir up religious people, you're doing it right. I know because I've been there. Let's pray this morning. Father, help us be gospel spreaders. Help us to be focused, Lord, on everywhere we go. Go and as we're going, make disciples. Help us to be focused on that. But Lord, make us aware of the reality of an opposition, especially from a religious community. From those who don't understand the gospel being spread, they're not, they're not concerned about outsiders, only concerned about insiders. I pray, Lord, you'd help us stay focused individually and also as a church. And I pray for those who don't have that fire, who just don't have the passion for the Lord Jesus. Ignite that in them, God. Open their eyes to the gospel. And I pray for those in here who are not believers yet, that you would grip their heart with the gospel and save them and redeem them today, Lord. May they choose you today, Jesus, and choose the greatest life and greatest mission that they could ever be on. And as we're praying today, church, and we're in this sacred moment, I think for you, maybe today, you may be someone who walked away from your faith. Maybe as a child, you went to church and you got hurt or turned off or you followed your own path in life. And you say, no, man, I want to be all in for Jesus. I want that fire and that passion. I want purpose. I am ready today on Father's Day. I want to do this thing. If that's you, then here's an invite to you to accept Jesus. Or maybe you've never made that decision. You've always kind of kept God and Jesus at arm's distance. You've never confessed him as your Lord and Savior and surrendered. This day is your day. You should have no fear you should jump all in. And so if that's you, I invite you to pray this prayer after me, right where you're sitting, whether you're in here physically or online, and it's this here. God, I need Jesus. I confess Jesus as my Lord, my Savior. For I believe that he died on the cross. And I believe he rose again on the third day. And I believe he sits at the right hand of you, Father. I repent of my old life, and I turn away. 
And today, I receive forgiveness of sins and new life. God, forgive me of all of my sins and give me the boldness to share the gospel wherever I go. Thank you, Jesus. In your good name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's celebrate everybody who made that decision today. Amen. If you made that decision, your life will never be the same again. And if you will stand to your feet today.